It's 109, 1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right, keep it tuned to WTMJ. We'll continue to keep you updated on all the weather conditions. I want to be, all right, I'm a glasses half full guy, or at least that's one of my New Year's resolutions. I'm trying to be a glasses half full guy. So I understand that the weather forecast is dangerous and it is brutal over the course of the next couple days. No, no, no doubt about it. Here's, here is the only silver lining. Once once you get through the next 48 to 72 hours, it, it, it gets noticeably better. I mean, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be in the 30s above freezing on Saturday and Sunday. Now, I understand this is Tuesday, so you've got a long way to go. But at the same time, I can remember some winters where you would get these forecasts and you would look out at the seven day forecast and the 10 day forecast. And it would seem like, you know, it's never going to get above zero. Here we've got a rough 48 hours or a rough 72 hours and people need to be careful and they need to take precautions. But again, this looks like a, a small cold stretch. And if you go out into the forecast for next week, well, it's not going to be in the 30s all next week, but it's going to be much more moderate and much closer to normal. So the bottom line is there is light at the end of the tunnel and that does not appear to be a truck coming the other way. So that is part of the good news. The other good news, if you're being a glass is half full type of guy, we are essentially at the end of January. I mean, it's, you know, this weekend, February rolls around. So we're we're through, in some cases, the worst of winter. Now, I understand that you can get cold snaps and you can get snow in February and March and even April. I understand that. I mean, I'm a Wisconsin kid. But at the same time, we're through December. We're through January. We're getting closer to spring. The daylight hours are increasing. So, yes, that small comfort when we're looking at the kind of weather that we're going to be looking at over the course of the next 24, 48, 72 hours. But there, there is there, there is hope, so be optimistic. All right. Now, that's the glass is half full, Jeff. We start off, though, today with the glass is half empty, Jeff, and that is that all morning we have been getting – Incredible reports about the conditions of the roadways and the problems. And and this is, by the way, this is not an indictment of the people who take care of the roads. Rather, it is just a reflection that there are some things that sometimes get, get out of control, and that is just because of the nature of Mother Nature. When it gets really, really cold, like it was last night and like it's going to be over the next day or two, the salt that they put down on the roads doesn't work. So what happens is when we get whumped with a major snowstorm, and yes, we've gotten whumped twice over the course of the last five or six days, what happens is you get all the stuff that's built up on the roads, and the, the snow crews, they do the best they can to try to get the stuff off the road, but whatever they doesn't get off the road ends up um, essentially becoming ice. And so this morning, there were spin-outs. The freeway has been closed in one direction or another for a good portion of the day because of spin-outs and accidents and cars in the ditch. The big problem, of course, being the devilish glare ice where you're driving along and you don't have any idea that all of a sudden you're on ice. And it doesn't matter if you've got the best four-wheel drive vehicle in the world. You know, when you hit ice, you slide out. So I wanted to start off today's show. And we're going to move on to other stuff uh, beyond the weather, of course. But I wanted to start off today's show with just trying to get an update of what is going on on the roads, what you've seen. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I will tell you, today for the second day in a row, I stayed off the freeway because I was hearing the reports of, you know, spin-outs and things like that. I took a, a, a major 
side road had no problems at all. I mean, you could see the pavement, got down here. I, I think maybe it took me maybe five minutes longer than it would typically take, but my commute in was not bad. I am a little bit apprehensive, as I was saying later on uh, tonight, since I'm going on vacation for a couple days tomorrow, I've got to take my dog out to West Bend. My friend, Sister Pat, takes care of the dog. And so I'm thinking, all right, that's going to be sort of a little bit of a white-knuckle drive. But, you know, we'll, we'll figure out how to make it do. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How are road conditions where you are? Black ice still out there? Glare ice still out there? Slippery? Or have the roads become passable? Have the road crews gotten a handle on it? Are things going to be at least okay on the roadways moving forward? What are you seeing? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are back to discuss in just a moment. By the way, if you're out on the roads, uh, don't call if it is unsafe to make that call. We'll talk to you in just a moment. 414-799-1620. It's 1214. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff, my job involves a lot of driving, and based on what I've seen so far today, the blustery cold wind is the killer. It affects vision, and I've seen multiple cars in the ditch today because of it. The snow from all the snow banks blows onto the road and makes conditions terrible. I, I, I said this yesterday. I'm not proud of this. The, on, the only time I was in college, the only time I ever put a car in a ditch was in a, a ground blizzard. Same sort of thing. Wasn't a lot of snow, but you had 30-mile-an-hour winds blowing across an interstate, a two-lane interstate. I couldn't see it all. I was following a truck. The truck drove into the ditch. I went into the ditch behind it. Mm. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Glenna in Pleasant Prairie. Glenna, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Hi Glenna. Yeah, um, I think they do a really pretty good job. I went out yesterday on Highway 37 near Burlington, and it was all completely plowed. And the back roads are, you know, they're cleared, but they couldn't get down, you know, to all the ice. So right. You just drive slowly the way you know. Be really careful. It's no problem. And I was just telling uh, the man who answered that I'm, I'm driving on a uh, country road in Pleasant Prairie the guy you're going to find in the ditch five miles down the road no thanks for the call glad i mean see that that is that is the thing it, it's you know everybody is driving at one particular pace and then there's always going to be that guy or two that thinks that oh i've got the super tires or i don't have to worry about this stuff and creates the hazard for it and the bottom line is look that if, if you're out and about as long as you drive safely and take your chances you're going to get there and so so you get there 15 minutes later in the big picture who cares 414-799-1620 jacob in waukesha hi jacob hey jeff how are you doing very well thank you okay what are the roads like where you are um actually i'm driving south on on 83 uh just by whales and whatnot and right. the roads are fine okay um i mean perfectly good the thing is what helps it, the, the wind kind of sucks because it's blowing, you know, blowing stuff across. But they put down enough salt and, and things like that, and it's asphalt, so right. I mean that it's not concrete, so it, you know that makes a big difference. 
Right. Well, and I think they did a great, I think the road crews in general, now there might be somebody whose alley isn't plowed out or whatever, but I think in general, given how much snow we have had over the course of the last four or five days, and then the nasty weather behind it, I mean, I, I think the plow crews, as a general rule, did a really, really good job dealing well, with snow. With the, especially with the wind, because it's just, right. it's just, you know, it's just blowing on everything, like you said, with the ground blizzard and stuff like that. You get spots where you, where there's no trees and, and things like that. Yeah, fine. It's blowing over, but it's 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 right. really not all that bad. Just if you if you just use your head, right? <laughs> right. Well, that that that's it. Like I said, I've, I've got to take my dog out to West Bend after I get off the air. So my my plan is. All right, I'm going to try to take back roads as much as I can. I'm going to try to drive at a space that I'm comfortable with. I'm going to try to get there sooner rather than later so I can get back sooner rather than later. But I'm planning all these things out. And then you'll leave enough time to, you know, you'll leave enough time for it, and hopefully everybody's going to be okay. Well, the problem is is there's always that one idiot that's yeah. got to, you know, prove everybody wrong. And then despite all your planning, everything goes to hell in a handcart because – right. Could you have the one guy that spins out and it goes from there? No, th- thanks yeah. for the call. No, I mean, I remember, I mean, okay, so yesterday, I mean, I told the story. Yesterday coming in was no problem. I mean, again, it took me 10 or 15 minutes longer than it normally would. Going home was a little bit more difficult because there were a couple people that were, there was just more traffic out on the road, and there were a couple of people who were trying to pass when I thought they probably really shouldn't, or there was really like only one lane open, and they were trying to make that second lane. And I'm thinking, okay, well, don't swerve out and hit a bunch of us. But in general, I, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Linda in Cedarburg, Linda, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are the roads in Cedarburg? You know what? They were great, and you know what? Um, actually, reporters were out there early. Um, yesterday, but I, I just don't understand why people don't get that we live in Wisconsin and we've been fortunate enough not to have the road conditions and the road, the weather that we've had. Right. And people, you know, you just got to be mindful. I mean, if you don't have anywhere to go, don't go. Drive respectful. And this is Wisconsin. We right. get this snow. We get this stuff. So what is the problem? Right. Well, right. I mean, you're some people, again, they just don't realize that when the roads are snow covered and slippery, you can't drive as fast as when it's the 4th of July and it's 85 degrees and the roads are dry. Exactly. And actually, I drove from Cedarburg to Walworth, Wisconsin this morning about 730. So I had the backups on both, both of the, the highways. Right. And, and it's, it's purely from someone not paying attention or driving too fast. But I mean, I think that most normal people... Get it. We live in Wisconsin. We should know this. Okay, so you're telling me don't be worried about having to drive out to West Bend and no. drop off my dog tonight. If you got two bulldogs, you'll be just fine. <laughs> thanks, for, <laughs> thanks, thanks for the call. Okay, well, I mean, again, but it, it's just you just have to kind of steal yourself and say, all right, we're going to leave a little bit of extra time and we'll be fine. Jacob in Waukesha. Jacob, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how's it going? Real well, thank you. How are the roads? Uh, roads in Waukesha in the city, not not too bad. They're wet. Uh, the plows are out and they're getting the salt down. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the back city streets, I guess, aren't uh, the best right now, but they're as good as they should be, you know, considering the, the amount of snow we've had in the last couple of days and the plows. I obviously are out focusing on the, yeah, the main roads. Um, yeah. We came, I, oh, I, I, I can't, I'm out salting uh, residential and uh, commercial properties right now for uh, Fred Ochtenhagen. So oh. uh, we came from out in the, uh, Wanago area, um, and that's kind of I live out in the Eagle area. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, snow still on the roads, but it's not from the plows by any means. It's the wind, it's yeah. The open, the open fields, 
and any roads near where it's blowing, yeah. those are going to be covered in snow, and then they're starting to ice up. Yeah, but, that, uh, that's going to be the problem. But at least you know the the the, cro- the crews are out there. You must be when you when you pull into a parking lot, people must be delighted to see you, Jacob. You're the plow guy. You're the most popular guy on days like today or yesterday, huh? Yeah, and this is I'm just helping out because they're <laughs> short-handed staff, so this ain't even my normal job. But yeah, uh, I do like to enjoy plow. My uh, my dad was actually a uh, he retired from the city of Brookfield and uh, worked for the Waukesha County Highway Department for. 15 years so uh well that we we thanks for call jacob there's no question we 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 on, on days like yesterday and today and over the weekend we all appreciate the folks that are driving the snowplow sandy in milwaukee sandy you're in wtmj oh very briefly i just took my car out for exercise because i won't be using it in the next couple days and i was surprised i drove mainly the city streets right but everybody was driving about 25 miles an hour lots of room between the cars nobody passed me going 45 or 50 miles an hour Mm -hmm. so i was very pleased with how everybody was handling everything and the roads were really not bad Hmm. but i can understand if people drive too fast you lose control so you took your car out for exercise huh some people take their pets out for exercise. You took the car out for exercise, huh? Well, the whole thing is I won't be driving it for the next couple of days. Listen, why didn't you get up earlier and take your puppy out to West Bend? Oh, well, that, well no, because, thanks for, no, 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 because, because the lady who watches her isn't in a position to take her until tonight. So that's, no, 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 don't leave that one on. And plus... Plus, I mean, my goodness gracious, I'm, I mean, I just, I, I don't want to have to, I want to keep my puppy as long as I possibly can without having to give her up. So, no, can't lay that one on, on me. She'll, uh, she's going to watch her Sasha for a couple of days. Curly in Germantown. Curly, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. How are the roads out by you? I just followed a uh, Germantown snowplow uh, northbound on uh, Pilgrim Road, and he's doing a heck of a good job. Mm-hmm. I was real grateful for WTMJ this morning, though. I drive a truck part-time from uh, Menominee Falls up to the town of Mosul, north of Sheboygan. Right. And uh, just before I got on I-43, here I hear that uh, 43 was closed, and I was able to circumnavigate the, <laughs> the closure on uh, Port Washington Road. Right. Coming back though I could see uh, indentations in the snowbanks all the way south on 43, about every quarter mile looked like somebody had gone in. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, thanks to the call. I mean, again, that's, and I've learned, I've learned over the years, you do want to be listening to us, especially when this stuff is going on, because we can help you. We can, in fact, help you not get on that freeway just like that happened. Bottom line is, sounds like the road crews are doing the best job they possibly can Things are passable right now. They, they, they are, but you just need to be smart about it. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I find you iPhone users. WTMJ is a new and improved app. It's easier to find news stories. Plus, get notifications on breaking news and feature stories. You can also listen live or check out our show podcasts. I know a number of people do that. And the best way, check out the Wagner Show prod- podcast. You just subscribe. And then every afternoon when Drew posts it, you get notified that it is there. And I know a lot of you do it, and I really appreciate that. Go to the App Store on your phone to download right now. Let's talk about Harley-Davidson, a great American company, a great Wisconsin company, a great Milwaukee company that is is falling on hard times. Let's review the bidding from last year. Last year, 
before we even talk about market trends, last year, Harley-Davidson was one of those companies. There's an old African saying that when the elephants rumble, the grass gets trampled. Harley-Davidson got caught up in the whole tariff wars between President Trump and, and Europe. You might remember that, that President Trump decided that he thought the U.S. was getting messed over with certain tariffs. So what, what he did was he imposed higher tariffs on steel and aluminum. Then what happened is the European Union responded by putting tariffs on certain products, including Harley-Davidson motorcycles. Well, partly in result of that, but partly as a result of also trying to expand their market to Europe and to China. Harley-Davidson has been exploring the idea of manufacturing motorcycles closer to where they want to sell them, namely Europe and China. So bottom line of all this is Harley-Davidson ends up getting tariffs imposed against it by Europe, and it gets President Trump mad at them saying, oh, this is just terrible, you know, I'm not going to forget all this stuff, where really Harley-Davidson is just trying to figure out how to survive in the global world. Well, the numbers are in, and and they're not good. Harley-Davidson barely broke even in the last quarter of the year. They, They barely broke even. The motorcycle maker's shares of stock, the value, plunged most of the year. I'm looking at a story in in Bloomberg. Earnings per share were nearly zero in the fourth quarter. That that is not not good at all. Harley's shares fell as much as 9.5% because of this. And the, the president is out there saying, well, we expect 20, this is the president of Harley, saying we expect 2019 to be another difficult year. All right, this was, okay, retail sales tumbled 10% in the three months that ended in December. But it, it's not just a bad quarter. Everybody has a bad quarter now and then. This was the eighth consecutive quarterly drop. So you have you have a trend. I mean, sales have been declining and sales have been declining for the last couple years. And, and part of it is because of all the financial stuff that's going on, and part of it is because of the tariffs. But at the end of the day, I think what a lot of people are acknowledging is that Harley, to the extent it is in trouble, is in trouble because Harley's riders are aging, and they're not able to come up with enough young bike riders to replace the older bike riders who are either aging out of the category, they're not riding their bikes as much, or they're not buying a bike every year or every two or three years like they, they want. So, you know, their plan is, all right, what we want to do is we want to offer cheaper bikes and we want to sell more clothing and gear, including perhaps expanding to Amazon in an effort to try to, you know, reach younger riders which is, you know, the bottom line of what they are trying to do. All right, I want to open up the phone lines. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand it's 5 degrees outside. It's going to be 20 or 30 or just stupid cold over the next couple of days. And the last thing that anybody is thinking about is getting on their bike, at least in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, and, and taking a ride. That That's just not going to happen in the next couple of days. But you know what? It is going to be spring, and that's going to change soon. Harley-Davidson has been an institution. Here is my question. They're recognizing that they have to try to go after younger riders. How do they do that? Is cheaper bikes, are cheaper bikes 
and trying to, I don't know, sell their clothing on Amazon, is that the way to save the brand? Or or are Harleys just something that, well, it was iconic, but it was your grandfather's product or your father's product, and it's not what young people want anymore. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Can Harley be saved? And what needs to happen for that to happen? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if you are a Harley enthusiast or a Harley owner, and I know there's a lot of you out there, I would be particularly curious as to your reaction to this. Why is Harley struggling as much as they are? And what, if anything, can they do to turn it around? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. We're back to discuss in just a moment. Bad economic numbers from Harley. Is, is Harley something, is the business something that can be saved? And how do you do it? 414-799-1620. I've got a couple theories myself that I'll share as well, but I want to hear what you think. 1241, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Look, Harley has bigger problems than President Trump, but President Trump did not do Harley-Davidson any favors. Remember in June, he tweeted his support for a boycott of Harley-Davidson after Harley vowed to move some of its production overseas to avoid these retaliatory tariffs that had been imposed by the European Union in response to the president's steep tariffs on steel and aluminum. So you got the president saying, let's boycott them as Harley's trying to figure out how to make some money in response to, uh, again, th- this tariff war that's out there. But the bottom line is, I-, I don't think that's Harley's big problem. Harley's big problem is the folks that are riding Harley's are getting older, aren't we all? And they're, they're not, as they pass away or age out of the the motorcycle riding area, there's not enough young people that are coming up and replacing them. So what's Harley to do? 414-799-1620. Frank in Bayview. Frank, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Jeff, good afternoon. Hi, Frank. Um, You'll pardon me by saying I think you've got it wrong. I I think it's a narrow-minded view to look at uh, their current ridership and their, their current customer base. I think they need to scrap that whole mentality and look abroad they need to establish themselves as an international uh, bike producer. The majority of third world company or third world countries, rather, people get around on motorbikes. I think that should be their focus and go from there. Would people you? Okay, let me ask you. Countries. What do you ask? When when you think of when you think of a Harley Davidson, you think of you know a, a big motorcycle. Um, a lot of the motorcycles that are made in Europe are the smaller, the cheaper sort of thing. Do you think they need to shift their their production and their idea of what a Harley is going to be? That's exactly right. Scrap that mystique. And if you don't evolve, you're going to die. Now, my question would be, if you do that, though, does that end up, do, are you turning your back on, like, your core Harley riders, the, the people that have made you what you are? Roll the dice. Either, either way, it's a sinking ship now. Right. So do you think that they have to do something dramatic? Immediately. And the future is overseas. Otherwise, that's it. Got it. You know, I mean, they're headed to the computer, like you said, with, um, I, I forget, Amazon. Am- right, they're, they're looking that's at selling clothing over Amazon, yeah. Broaden, broaden your exposure is the first step, you know. Got it. Okay, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This, this, let's be honest here. This is a huge problem, and it's a problem that lots of industries have. It's a problem that the newspaper industry has, where the you know the, the people that 
that actually like to get hard copies of the newspaper, well, that that's a dwindling number of people. People still want the information, and they want it, but they want it, and they're willing to get it online. They don't want to pay $450 for a seven-day-a-week subscription. I mean, that's, that, that's an issue. Harley faces the same sort of thing. Here's a text. Jeff, I'm in the almost 50 crowd. I believe the Harley brand does appeal more to older riders, but I've seen so many people stop riding simply because it's become far more da- far more dangerous than it used to be. There's more cars on the road, far more distracted drivers. I have several friends and coworkers that have been in fairly serious cycle accidents, none of them at any fault of their own. Many of us have just given up riding because it's simply too dangerous because of the other drivers on the road. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jim in Thienesville. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how are you? Real well, thank you, sir. What does Harley need to do? Well, Harley, uh, uh, several years ago, owned Buell. Right. Uh, and they sold it off. That that bike was designed for a younger rider and a much less expensive Maybe yeah. they should look at trying to bring something like that back. Well, why don't you think it worked in the first place, though? I mean, you know, they, they bought Buell, and I remember that was all the talk that, hey, you're going to buy Buell, and this is going to be this is going to be point. You know, people are going to want to ride the crotch rockets and stuff. This is their way to get the younger riders, and it never really worked out for them. That's uh, because Harley was making so much money on the uh, on the on the riders who are now aging out, right, and, and decided not to focus on it. Right, so, so you just don't you just don't think they jumped in with they didn't commit to it. In other words, they didn't commit. To, they didn't look at long term. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, do you think? I mean, would you agree with me that the 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 the, the bikes now that the twenty grand a year, the twenty five thousand, the twenty thousand dollars, the twenty five thousand dollar bikes, that's really not the the future of the company. You know, I wish it was because I love the sound of a Harley. <laughs> right. I I I had a Honda. I couldn't afford the Harley. <laughs> right. You know, and and but. I, I, you know, that's, that's, that's true Milwaukee right there, but it, it, unfortunately, I just don't see that continuing. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. No, that's it. No, thanks to call. I mean, I, I think it's, I, I agree with, with you and our first caller. It, it is a question of, of adapt or, or die. I mean, I think that's the reality. And I mean, Harley had a really, really great run of producing a quality bike, but the truth is, I think there's a lot of people, maybe in their, you know, teenagers, you know, and their people in their 20s and early 30s who look at those the Harley bikes and they say, well, okay, that that's my dad's bike or that's my grandfather's bike or or whatever, and I don't I don't want to drop twenty five thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars on that. And there's other alternatives at that lower end that I'm I'm happy with, and I don't I don't take any pride in saying that, but I, I do think for Harley. Number one, I think the clothing idea is great. Maybe try to get people interested in that fashion. And secondly, the, the truth is the international market, I think, is where it's at for them. Larry in West Bend. Hi, Larry. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. I just thought I'd call it a quick like to say. Sure. That's what I'm I, here for. I don't think that we have to worry about counting Harley out. They've been up and down and up and down over their, their life, you know, time. And, uh, you, you know, uh it's boom or bust, and you know they've been bought out, and then you know they bought themselves back from AMF. Right. Um, you know what's hip and trendy today may fall out of fad tomorrow, but you know, uh, like fashion, everything comes around. Uh, so I, I don't know that we can say that uh, they they are going to go under. They may have to streamline and, and 
produce to demand, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, demand may come back in 10 years and surprise us all. Yeah, I guess the question is how long How long can you wait, you know, if you're having quarter after quarter after quarter of declining sales and the bottom's falling out of the stock, that, that always, it, it just becomes how long. And I guess, I, I mean, I don't know, you're right, e- everything old is new again, with that, that's the cliche, um, but... I don't know. It you know the guy, the kids that are twenty, the people that are twenty five now. When they hit forty five, are they suddenly going to say, "Hey, I, I want one of those big Harleys"? I I don't know. Or, or are they going to want their own thing? And you know, from my standpoint, I drove Hondas for years in my teens and twenties, and and uh, you know, it wasn't until I I got a little older where I said, you know, uh, a bike with a windshield keeps the bugs out of your teeth, <laughs> and and it's nice to have a bike with bags where you don't have to. You know, worry about right. where you're going to put your jacket if it gets too warm, and uh, right. you know all right. that type of stuff. So you know, ridership changes as you age. So just because you're driving a, a five thousand dollar Honda today doesn't mean you might not appreciate no. what a, a Harley can offer. You know, when you're fifteen years older. Right. No, thank you're right, and I mean, I I think that's it. I think that's. I, I, but that's just a tough thing to count on. I guess that would be my my point. John and Oshkosh. John, you're on WTMJ. Yes. Uh, Good to get through. Uh, say, um, you know, uh, worldwide, motorcycle sales are down across the board with every brand. Um, the, the, the real problem is Harley makes the Cadillac of motorcycles in the world. Right. There is no doubt about it. They make the greatest product. But there's a demographics involved here, and I really think that uh, Harley, there will always be a, a, a class of individuals that will want the high-powered uh, Harleys, which you know are darn expensive, right? But but they're going to have to they're going to have to take a look at the future. I mean, the next thirty, forty years with some vision, uh, they're going to have to adapt to a different uh, concept right. of what a motorcycle is. <laughs> well, no, well, and maybe that means making cheaper bikes, and then trying to find that that market for them. Let's talk to Tommy on the south side. Tommy or WTMJ? Hello, Jeff. Hi, Tommy. Uh, yeah, my comment is, is this, that I, you know, I'm an enthusiast, and I'm also a mechanic for Harley-Davidson. Um, I have two motorcycles that took me forever, and I mean forever, to save up to pay for. And one of them, actually, I'm still not done paying for yet. <laughs> and one of my bikes is 22 years old, and the other one is uh, 11 years old. Okay. So the big problem that I see is that the price. The price point is just way out of reach for anybody that's in a you know, younger group. Right. Uh, I'm 40 years old, and I'm still paying for one of my older bikes. <laughs> right. Imagine a 25-year-old that wants to get into a Sportster or a Softail. These people are paying way too much money. They just can't afford it. Right, who also wants to buy a house and come up with a down payment on a house and has kids and all that type of stuff. Sure. Yeah, you can forget it. If you're trying to get a mortgage... And then on top of that, you have a bike note or, you know, an automobile car note. It, it's just impossible. Another thing that I think that is the bigger problem is the fact that the technology that they keep stuffing into these motorcycles, which are great, you know, ABS, you know, the mm-hmm. stereo systems that are being put in, the GPS, all these things are awesome. But the fact that they are putting these in and making improvements on these things every year, it's pricing everybody out. Right. So the whole idea that the customer base is fading and getting old, that is definitely an issue. That is definitely happening. But the reason that they are struggling is because they are forgetting to try to tap into the younger urban crowds. Motorcycles are, are really popular amongst the African-Americans and Latinos. Mm-hmm. I'm a Latino, and I, I have a lot of friends that 
that have motorcycles, but we just can't afford them. They're just too much. If right. I have a mortgage, there's no way I can get a bike payment. Well, you know, the other thing, and I had a couple texters that made this point, Tommy, is a lot of the younger people who, who buy motorcycles – that they're they're using them as transportation, whereas I think a lot of the older Harley riders use them as a hobby. And I'm not saying they don't ride them to work from time to time, but it's more like a hobby. Whereas a lot of the newer other brand motorcycles here, this is how we're going to get around town, or this is how we're going to get to work, and that's also the appeal of the cheaper bikes. Definitely, definitely. One thing I would like to add is is uh, the CEO Matt. Uh, I always have a hard time pronouncing his last name. Uh, Leftic. Right. Um, when he had said that they refused to reduce the cost or the price on their motorcycles to protect the integrity of, of, the, of the actual product, I thought that was kind of, uh, uh, well, it, it just it didn't work for, for the masses. The fact is, is if, if you have these big pieces of metal that are sitting in the showrooms that are not moving right. because they don't want to uh, reduce the, the price, um, it's not helping anybody. They're not going anywhere. The salesmen aren't making any money. The mechanics aren't making any money. Right. The dealership isn't making any money. So for that, every time a motorcycle gets shipped to a dealership, this dealership is responsible for that bike. If they don't sell it, well, it hurts not only the dealership's bottom line, but then it has this negative effect with the manufacturer and right. the dealership. No, you got to move them. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. A- absolutely. Uh, um, the Harley CEO, Lavatic is his last name. Um, I, you know, I, I hope they're able to figure this out. But the truth of the matter is, you know, this this was a this this was not the year, for example, in my opinion, for President Trump to come out and talk about, you know, a, a boycott of Harley. Harley has enough problems without that. And do I do I think Harley's problems this last quarter are attributable to what President Trump said? No. But at the same time, it was like, really, this you want to pick on this American company? Harley has long term big-time problems, figuring out where they're going to be five years from now, where they're going to be ten years from now. Hope they can solve it. It's all about trying to attract a youth market, but with their current product line, I, I don't see that happening. 1256, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 109, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. Um, I, I need to say this at the outset. I am a huge, I, I am a huge fan of Freighter and Metro College, Wisconsin. They, for gosh, 10, 11, 15 years, however many years we've been doing it, every month we do our, our everyday health feature. I am, I, I use Freighter myself. When my late wife was diagnosed with a terminal illness, first people I called were the folks at the Freighter Cancer Center. And so we, I'm a huge fan. I have spent, unfortunately, more time at Freighter Hospital than I than I, I choose to. But I mean, I I am just I'm blown away by the quality of the services there. I am a huge, huge fan. And if I were again ever really sick, that that's where I would go. But I, I use Freighter anyhow. Okay. Having said all that, I think I, and I wanted to comment on this because I have been swamped over the last few days with emails from people affiliated employees at the hospital etc who are the word i would use is alarmed over the the events and the lack of information coming out surrounding them it is this this horrible story about the the 33 year old nurse practitioner who was found trapped beneath her car in the parking garage, like the sixth floor of the parking garage of the hospital, about 3.43 a.m. on last Friday morning, that they found her 
um, and, and she ultimately passed away as a result of that. The officials in the sheriff's department say that it's a homicide. They say they have a 27-year-old man in custody. All right, this was the initial response, um, but there have been almost no details forthcoming about this since this arrest w- was made. At least as of you know an hour ago when I made my last check, there were no charges that had been filed, even though somebody was in fact and had been in custody. Um, according to what they said Friday afternoon, Milwaukee, Milwaukee County Sheriff said law enforcement received a call around 9 a.m. This was on Friday, leading them to 37th Street and Wisconsin Avenue, which is the location of Wisconsin Community Services, which offers behavioral health programs for mentally ill patients. That's not that far from where the um, the parking garage is. Um, they say... This is the sheriff's department. An individual had appeared, had been involved in some type of incident. He was taken into custody. So far, no charges are out. Fredert has, of course, issued a couple statements, but here's the initial one that they released. Fredert in the Medical College of Wisconsin is devastated by the loss of a member of our campus community. We continue to work closely with law enforcement. We remain vigilant about the emotional and physical safety of every person who works at, is cared for by, or visits our clinics and hospitals, and have enhanced security measures. As this is an ongoing investigation, any additional questions must be directed to the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department. Thank you. All right, so that's what they're saying. And now here we are Tuesday. This happened on Friday. Somebody's apparently been in custody, and and no new details are emerging. I understand that it takes a little while to do a a proper investigation, but but here's the bottom line of this. There's times when you can be like Robert Mueller, And you can take a year and a half and you can have an exhaustive investigation to try to determine if various laws have been broken. There are other times when I think the public demands swift answers to to things. And this is one of those times. I I understand that. Look, this is this is a senseless thing. But given the fact that you have lots and lots of people who work at that hospital and who park in that parking garage, who come and go at all hours of the day or night. I mean, there were times, I mean, I I can remember parking in that parking garage when I was there to see somebody in the hospital and and leaving at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in in the morning. I mean, there's people that come in and and leave all hours of, of the day or night. And I I think there's a lot of people who have serious questions about, you know, what happened here, what 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 was going on. And more importantly, you know, to the extent that something did, in fact, happen in that parking garage and we know it did, what's going to be done proactively moving forward to make sure that everybody is safe? And I appreciate the situation that Freighter is in where Freighter is saying, well, look, this is a law enforcement investigation. We don't want to say anything until, you know, the, the charges are filed. I get all that. I understand all that. But this is where I, I think the ball is squarely in the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department and the District Attorney's Office, because there are a number of people out there who are alarmed that something like this could happen. And, of course, that, that just doesn't even begin to describe the personal scope of this tragedy. This woman who was killed, you read the stories, just a nurse practitioner who was just so incredibly giving and um, so active in the community. It, it's just an absolute 
travesty and a tragedy that something like this could happen. At least in the initial comments that law enforcement was making, they were saying that the person that had been arrested at least didn't appear to have any sort of connection at all with the victim, which makes it even more scary. But the bottom line of this is that this is a situation where, I mean, I think people from a law enforcement perspective need, need to get their act together quickly. And this is one where I think the public does, for a whole lot of reasons, ha- have a right and a need as soon as possible to know, you know, what what happened here. Do they have the person that they believe was involved in this murder? Why Why was this? What happened? What are the circumstances? And they need to get that out in public as quickly as possible and then accordingly i think you know freighter needs to respond and say okay you know that this is this is what we are doing moving forward to make sure that something like this to the extent we can doesn't happen again because i will tell you there are a number of people who are very very concerned about this and i know they're being told the company line is don't be alarmed and i guess that's good advice as far as it goes but the, the bigger picture is you know, you, you you want to let the public know what happened here just as soon as possible. And I think that's incumbent on the new sheriff to make sure that happens as soon as possible. It's 116. One nineteen, Jeff Wetner, WTMJ. Like I came down with this cold on Friday, and actually, it's been a very, very mild cold. Except I feel great. Except it's kind of settled just in the bottom of my throat, which is fine. Except every once in a while, when you try to use your voice and raise it or lower it or whatever, it kind of acts up. So keep listening because you'll be able to see whether the guy behind the microphone is able to sustain this for another hour and forty minutes. I'll be fine, actually. All right, I want to revisit. Something we talked about uh, about a month ago. It's the story of the guy in Greenfield who, on July 4th, continued a family tradition of shooting off four Civil War cannons. He owns, his name is Fred Frank Markle, and he's got these four Civil War cannons. He lives in Greenfield. Now, for 41 years, what he's done is he's fired the cannons off at his boyhood home in Milwaukee. Um, But what happened is that the home, they ended up selling it, so now he lives in Greenfield. So he decided to continue the tradition. 4 p.m. on the 4th of July, he shoots off these, these four cannons. Boom, 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 boom. It takes less than 30 seconds to fire off the four cannons. Boom, 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 boom. Also, in response to new, uh, to noise complaints, what he's done is he's reduced the, the load in the cannons so they don't make as much noise. But they still make noise. It's the 4th of July, boom, 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 boom. And he has a party. Lots and lots of the neighbors come out and they, they, they get together for this 4th of July party. And apparently shooting off the cannons on the 4th of July is, you know, one of the things that everybody looks forward to. Well, I should say one of the things that most people look forward to because you've got a couple neighbors who have complained about this. One of the neighbors says that uh, this year's cannon shots, boom, 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 frightened a friend's children 
ages 5, 7, and 1, and her dog, who were at home for the 4th of July celebration. The firings also shook the windows and made them all fear for their safety. Then there's another guy who says he lives a block away, and his windows rattled, and his knickknacks fell over, and the boom scared their one-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. So they complained. The police came out. They gave the guy a ticket. And ultimately, what happened is uh, the citation ended up being for 1000 bucks. Originally, he was ticketed for 3000 The municipal court lowered it to 1000 He, instead of paying the $1,000 fine, he is now demanding a jury trial, and he's getting ready to fight it. He says, look, th- this is, I should be able to shoot off this cannon. Greenfield has a, a new a noise ordinance, and the test is whether or not the, the noise is so loud that a reasonable person would be offended. Now, what this guy says is, look, the question is a reasonable person. You know, there's always going to be people that are bothered by the noise. But he said, you know, frankly, he said, you know, we've got a Catholic church in the area that has fireworks for its summer festival. Boom, 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 boom. Much later at night, those fireworks are a lot more, he says, disruptive than my cannons over the space of uh, 30 seconds on the 4th of July at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Should the guy be able to fire off his cannons? Most people in the neighborhood appear to be okay with it. There's a couple people who, who don't like it. It scared our little kids, et cetera, et cetera. It was really loud. This was not sustained. It was at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. What do you think? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. He says this has been a 44-year tradition. The last couple years in Greenfield, he says the neighbors who are complaining are overly sensitive and that if you can have fireworks at a church festival, you should be able to shoot off your cannon over a period of 30 seconds on the 4th of July at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You know what? I'm on his side. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. It's 124. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 125. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Steve in Green Bay. Steve, hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? The guy shoots off these cannons 4 p.m. on the 4th of July as part of a party he's having. It takes about 30 seconds. I don't see an issue with it. I mean, especially if the church and the city have fireworks displays, I find that much more annoying. I've been told your screener is probably the two people that are complaining are the two people he doesn't invite to the neighborhood party. So, well, I mean, I get up a little bit. Well, thanks for the call. I guess I, I look at this, and I mean, I have a text here. He says, I'm okay. The texter says, I'm okay with it as long as. At, there are the fireworks as long as it's before 10 o'clock at night. It drives me nuts in my neighborhood that people are shooting things off after midnight, one, two, three in the morning. It's just too excessive. And, and I think, you know, that's an important point. It's also not like the guy is shooting off the cannon every 10 minutes. It's 30 seconds in the, you know, late afternoon, four o'clock p.m. on July 4th. And I understand there's a couple neighbors that, that are bothered by this. But how can you have fireworks at a church if you don't allow something like this? And, and what constitutes excessive noise? Mark in Oconomowoc. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I appreciate it. So my question is, is first of all, this is only one time in the afternoon. 
Right. But how many times do you go to a 4th of July parade and you have gunshots, you have other loud noises, you have the fire trucks, you got the police cars, and then you have, depending on where you live in the great state of Wisconsin, you have the opportunity of reenactments on the 4th of July. I honestly think that I can't even believe we're talking about this on your show <laughs> because what a waste of everybody's time. Get off this guy's back. And you know what? He's probably one of the few people who truly are celebrating the 4th of July for what it truly is. Well, I mean, it is, look, it is the 4th of July, and, you know, people shoot off fireworks. People do these types of things. When I first heard their story, I was thinking, is this guy doing it, you know, for the entire day or something like that? But it really is a 30-second thing at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And is it does it perhaps scare a little kid if you hear that boom? Well, well, okay. Well, thunder, you know, scares little kids when you hear those booms. Is is uh, Greenfield writing ordinances against God for you know producing the thunder or something? I wonder. Well, you can give away a million dollars and you're still going to irritate somebody. So no matter what you do, good, bad, or indifferent, there's going to be always somebody that's going to take right. offense to it. Well, but I think there's a lot of other things that are a lot worse on the 4th of July. Well, that, I mean, thanks for calling. Now, and I, again, and I, I'm sure this is, I, I guess it's a, it's a modest annoyance. I'm sure for some of the neighbors, and I say some of them because it's it's very mixed, but it is a modest annoyance for some of the neighbors. Some people are texting me, does it shoot cannonballs? No, he, he's not actually shooting out cannonballs. It's it's just it's just you know you're you're shooting off the, the things that just make the noise. Okay, let's talk to Rick in Greenfield. Rick, your neck of the woods. Hey, hello, Hi. sir. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Okay, you think that this guy should knock this off? Yeah, he needs to knock it off. There's plenty of vets. Not only in that area, but uh, also other uh, first responders in that area who have very severe PTSD. And uh, I think, considering the fact that he is a vet, he should understand that there are people around him uh, who uh, might get flashbacks. Might uh, okay. Well, Rick, let me ask you this though: Is that if that's the argument? Should we then ban all the fireworks? I mean, because this guy, these noises are. It's 30 seconds. I mean, you've got fireworks displays that go on for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40, 45 minutes, so it's the sustained noise. I mean, sh- should we do away it with is. fireworks? Well, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily have the answer for that. I do have the answer for uh, everybody and their brother in the neighborhoods uh, shooting off those fireworks, and uh, that is illegal. Mm-hmm. And uh, we should be uh, definitely enforcing those laws. And you kind of surprised me with this, given your law enforcement background. Uh, you seem to be for this. Well, I, I am. I, 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 no, I'll tell I, you why. I can honestly tell you that with my PTSD, I have nowhere to go. Well, I mean, look, I I, well, here, well, but the problem is, okay, Rick, I, I, no, well, Rick I, I understand, but then th- this, this, is, this is not, I mean, if, for, for people who have PTSD, which is a very, very sincere, uh, you know, a significant problem, I, I get it. This guy isn't the, the bigger problem. You're going to have a lot of bigger problems, again, on the 4th of July with the fireworks displays and the things that are held as part of the communities. Now, if you want to say we can't have any of those, well, then let, let's have the discussion. But, it, you know, to suggest that this man can't have 30 seconds of four cannon things, boom, 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 because it's going to contribute to people's PSD, PTSD when you have church festivals and big all these other things that are going on and fireworks are routinely shot off, to me, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if that's really the justification, let's do away with all the fireworks. 
136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, iPhone users, WTMJ has a new and improved app. It's easier to find news stories, plus get notifications on breaking news and feature stories. You can also listen live or check out show podcasts. Go to the App Store on your phone to download now. All right. When I fly, I always try for an aisle seat, and I am willing to pay extra for an aisle seat. I am six foot one, 200 plus pounds, and it's just, I, I like to have the aisle seat so that I can kind of stretch out my legs a little bit. A- and I'm also fortunate enough to be in a position that I, you know, if it costs a little bit extra, I, I will pay extra. So in the middle of next month, we're, we're going to Key West for a week. Okay, I've got the airline, you know, book the seats. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in an aisle seat. Uh, tomorrow, I'm supposed to jump on a jet, go down to Florida just for a very quick trip, flying southwest. And I paid... You can pay $25 extra for their early bird seating, so you get on a little bit earlier. Southwest, you pick your own seats. So I, I'll get on early enough to, I will pick an aisle seat. So I, that is important to me. My wife, for example, who is, on the other hand, who is 5'5", five, five, an absolutely perfect height, she doesn't care. She doesn't mind middle seats. It, it's not that big a deal to her, and so she, she really doesn't care that much one way or the other. But it's all about size. All right, so here's the story I want to tell you about, and I'm very curious as to who you think is in the right or who is in the wrong. This is the headline. Rude United Airlines passenger slammed after complaining about middle seat. Here's the deal. A passenger, this is a woman, reportedly flying on United Airlines flight was called out on social media after loudly complaining about her middle seat assignment in a video of the incident. The female passenger is sitting between two people and complaining loudly on her phone about the seating arrangement while calling her seat mates so big. So what happens is she gets on the plane. She's got the middle seat assignment. And in the aisle seat and in the window seat, there are two large people. All right? So airline seats nowadays, they're just... They're, they're not big enough to accommodate pretty much anybody. And especially if you have a certain size, it is very difficult. So this woman, she's got a middle seat. She gets in the middle seat, and she's behind. She's, she's kind of crammed in between two big people. So she gets on her phone, and then she calls out. She says, oh, my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to do this for the next four hours. It's just impossible because they're squishing me. She can be heard saying on a phone about her seatmates. This is while... She's sitting between the, these two people. Then she says, at least they'll keep me warm, she continues. Ave- eventually, the woman hangs up the phone and says, find me a window. Get me out of here. I can't do this to someone off camera. So now she's, she's whining about this. So now somebody's like filming her. I, I can't do this. And then somebody comes back and says, sorry, there, there's no other seats available. The passenger sitting in the window seat is recording this exchange and then becomes upset with the woman and rings a flight attendant for assistance. The, the passenger, this is one of the larger people, says, excuse me, can you find her another seat? Because I will not be verbally abused by this fill in the blank or anybody else. The woman in the middle seat begins to demonstrate the cramped quarters, referring to each passenger as so big that she can't move before saying for the second time that she's not big because she eats salad. Uh, The woman is then escorted to another seat in the back of the plane, and then this starts this this huge controversy among, you know, the other passengers. But essentially, this is what happens. She gets on the plane, 
She's got the middle seat. There are two people who are relatively large who are in either seat, and she doesn't want to be crammed in the middle. So then she starts complaining loudly about this, and this has generated, you know, a huge controversy. I'm sure if you do any sort of travel, you've you probably maybe been in a situation where you have somebody who is of a certain size, and you're kind of squished in next to them. In this case, this lady was upset with being in the middle seat between two people who were large. So, 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Did she have a legitimate beef? Hey, you've put me to the airline. You've put me in the middle seat, and, and here... I'm going to be sandwiched in. There's not enough room. I have every right to complain. Or was this woman an insensitive whiner who deserves to be ridiculed on social media? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is she just nothing but a complainer? Or does does she have a point? She's sitting there saying, hey, i got to be on this plane for three and a half hours. I... I fit in my seat. The two people on either side of me don't fit in theirs, and I'm going to be just sandwiched in here. This isn't right. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Who's right, the woman in the middle seat or the people that were perhaps too big for their seats? Did the woman have a right to complain? I have a strong feeling about this and a suggestion, but I'm curious as to what you think. We discuss in just a moment. 414-799-1620. And if you've ever had something like this happen to you one way or the other, how do you handle it and how should airlines handle it? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 142. 144, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I actually love this story. If you're just tuning in, here's the deal. Lady's flying on United Airlines. She's she's in a middle seat. She gets on. There's two large people. One sitting in the aisle, one sitting in the again window seat. She crams in, gets upset. I, I don't I just I don't fit here. These two people are too big. She gets on the phone and starts saying, I don't know how I'm gonna be here for four hours, you know, cram between these two people. She starts to loudly complain. And then it kind of all deteriorates from there. Did the lady have a legitimate beef? Karen in Wauwatosa. Karen, you're first. Hello. Oh, hi, hi, Jeff. Hi, Karen. So I think that she that she actually did or does. I mean, I okay. I, I, I watched the you know video also, and uh, I don't think she was that loud. Number one, and I don't think she was that rude. I mean, just put your well, well, wait, wait a second. Not that rude. She gets on a phone, sitting in between these two people, and she says, "I don't know how I'm going to do this for the next four hours. It's just impossible. They're squishing me. At least they'll keep me warm." Now, come on, that's pretty rude. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know, Jeff. Maybe, but the prospect of sitting in that seat for four hours with people who should have bought first-class tickets or two seats because they're too big for an airline seat so you think, think that's the, the airline, you think that's the underlying problem that the airline should have made them buy buy another seat well, so this wouldn't happen the airline would would actually know that without asking people what their weight is but i do know that and i think i've been on a plane where when the when the uh flight attendant sees there are two huge people and on those little three seats in a right. row they take the middle person out of there and find them another seat because Jeff, four hours. It looked like you know with her accent. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking New York to L.A. Yeah, something. Between well, those people, they were they were hanging over into her seat. I mean, well, the, of course, the problem is the flight's full. I think so. They really have nowhere to go with her. That, so, what do you do in a situation like that? Boy, I don't know. That's really tough. Put her on the put yeah. her in the jump seat. <laughs> Got it. Okay. 
Okay, no, thank, thanks to call. 414-799-1620. That, does the woman have a point? Now, she gets on later. She's in the middle seat, and there's two people of size, you know, on, on either side, and she starts complaining then loudly. Now, the one thing I definitely disagree with Karen on, the, the lady was rude. I mean, I'm, you know, it's one thing to go up to the flight attendant and say, can you find me another seat because look at the size of these people. It's another thing to get on a phone and start talking about, gee, I'm sitting next to these two enormous people. How am I ever going to do that? That, I think, was, was clearly rude. But I guess the overriding question is, does she have a legitimate point? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Robin and Nina. Hi, Robin. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, I agree with you that the lady in the middle seat was really very rude about it. Well, yeah, there's no question. She was extremely rude about it. <laughs> you know? She wasn't small herself. I mean, she was a little bit above average in size, but those two people in the other two seats apparently were traveling together. Right. They were both morbidly obese and taking up more space than they needed to, so... You know, I would not have wanted to have been sat between them either, and I would have demanded, because, you know, the lady in the middle, as rude as she was, she paid for her entire seat, mm-hmm. get an entire seat, and, you know... It's so not- what, let me ask you this, what do you think an airline's supposed to do, Robin? And this is a legitimate question, I mean, it's not a challenge, I'm just, I mean, so, you know, the airline sells the ticket, you don't know how, you don't know what the size of the people are, you have these two people, you, you sit, you describe them as morbidly obese, that kind of squish into these seats... What's the airline supposed to do in a situation like that? I think they need to adopt what Southwest does. When they see someone who's going to be too big to fit into a seat, they make that person buy another seat. Right. And if it turns out they can fit into the seat, then they, they refund the ticket. Right. They refund the extra ticket. But, I, you know, I don't think that people who, you know, if you're too big to fit in an airline seat, then you need to buy two of them. Right, and, right. You know, no. it's was an unfortunate reaction by this blonde woman but she had the i think she was in the right as rude as she was i think she was in the right right okay thanks for calling i'll tell you where i come down to this in just a minute but i'm kind of interested in in the reaction 414-799-1620 the first two callers have seen the video that they're the right i mean this isn't I, I i don't know that the lady in the middle was was necessarily I, I, she didn't strike me as a tiny woman herself but there's there's no question the two people they're in the aisle and are in the uh, on the window. They're big, and they don't fit comfortably into you know their seats. So there is some spillover. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Donna in Green Bay. Hi, Donna. Hi, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for calling. Um, I just flew to Orlando and back with my eighty-seven-year-old father. And um, first of all, I just think uh, when you don't drive and you fly uh, coach. Uh, you get what you get, and it doesn't pay to complain. And my father had a really good point, which is he's traveled all over the world. At 87, he said, you know, Donna, these planes are small, and people, generally speaking, have gotten a lot bigger through the years. So until the airlines change their seats, it's probably going to be an ongoing problem. I don't know. Well, and of course, airlines are going the other way because – the, the idea is how many people can we get on a plane, you know, mm-hmm. to make that to maximize the money. Now, one yeah. of the things, Donna, this is one of the reasons why, like I'm on a plane tomorrow, I pay Southwest the twenty five dollars extra because I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be able to, I want to be able to get on and I want to be able to sit in the aisle. Now, not everybody has that luxury. When I yeah. fly other areas, other planes, and you can reserve seats, I reserve seats because I want to be on the aisle, but I pay extra for that privilege, and I appreciate not everybody can do it. 
Yeah. Um, you so you okay. So what, what does the airline do though in a situation like this where you do have? I mean, does the woman have any legitimate beef at all? She says, I, "I'm entitled to a she seat." Does. Yeah. She does, and you know, I flew back uh, without my father, and I was wedged against a window seat. But I just asked the lady next to me if she wanted the armrest up or down. That helped alle- right. alleviate the problem a little bit. She did have a legitimate complaint, but quite frankly, one thing I've noticed is the stewardesses aren't particularly helpful. And I don't know what can be done on a full plane anyway. Yeah. If there's nowhere to move you, there's nowhere to move you. Um, and it's until, you know, the people who book our seats don't know how tall or, or you know, like you said, your wife is five foot something. And she uh, is the my, perfect height. She is five, five. Yeah. She fits comfortably in a middle seat. Yeah. Right. And I don't complain. I'm tall, but I fit everywhere. I don't care. But um, she ha- Unless they start taking everybody's height and weight when you book a seat, this is going to be a problem. I mean, you know, and I don't ever want that to happen. Don't get me wrong. Right. Uh, but squeezing more airline, squeezing more seats in the plane is ridiculous. I no, mean, no, I, I'm with no Don. Thanks. So here, here, here's the deal, and we're going to take more calls on this. So if you're on the line or calling in, it's fine. But I, I, I think. In this case, I, I think, the, the, first of all, the woman who gets on her phone and complains about being crammed in, you know, and talking loudly enough, I, I think that's just unquestionably rude. And so she is not, in my opinion, a sympathetic character, all right, because that's not how you handle something like this. Now, having said that, I, I do think she does have a legitimate point to an extent, and that is that if if you're too big for a seat, I mean, I, I did, all right. The airlines, I understand they want to be customer-friendly and stuff, but if you have people that are too big to fit comfortably in one seat to the point that they are going to squish somebody else, I think that passenger, in this case, the person in the middle seat, like I say, there's things you could do to avoid this. You pay the early booking fee, you make sure you designate a seat, but... um I mean, big picture, I mean, I understand the woman's point. Now, did she carry it out in the right way? No. And, and she was rude, but at the same time, I, I think she does have a point. She says, look, I, I paid for a seat, and this isn't my problem. If people don't fit into their seats, I, I think I have the right to the seat and the space that I paid for. And I think the airlines have to figure out how to deal with this. Now, how do you do that with people of size? I, I think a lot of people, now I know people who are relatively large, and they, when they travel, in some cases, they, they buy two seats. And because then, then this doesn't become an issue. The woman was rude, but I, I do think she had a point. 414-799-1620. We continue the conversation next. It's 153. This is Jeff Wagner. 156, Jeff Wagner. Here's a text. Jeff, end of the day. Seats overall and planes are too small. I'm 5'9 and 200 and barely fit in myself. The problem is we as consumers want the cheapest price for everything, but we do not want companies to charge to keep the costs down. Liz in Milwaukee. Hi, Liz. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Yes, um, I actually did not see the video that was posted or right. about this. <clears throat> I just heard about it sure. from here today. Um, but I agree with you. I feel that it, from what it sounds like, the woman was extremely rude. Yes. Um, anyone that has flown within the last 10 years knows it's a different world than it was in the 1980s. Yeah, to the extent um, there was a cachet to air travel in the past, it does not exist anymore. You're right. Exactly. You're basically in a bus in the sky. Right. So you, you've got a couple of choices. You can either be rude like the lady was, or you can basically you know, just kind of suck it up. 
I feel there are ways to go about it. Like the other caller said, you could ask someone to raise the um, armrest. Mm-hmm. You know, you take take the obesity issue out of the question. What, you know, would people's feelings be different about that? Some of the other callers' feelings be different if we were talking about a different type of prejudice, if it was, you know, of a, of a race. Of a, of well, no, but at the same time, here, here I mean, the, the physical condition is interfering with her access to her space. I mean, she's she's crammed in, you know, because she doesn't have as much room as she would otherwise have. So, I mean, do, I mean does she have a... I, Putting aside the way she went about this, which was rude, and I always hate to reward bad behavior, does she have at least a legitimate point about, hey, she sandwiched in this middle seat, and these folks are just too big for the seats they bought? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think she doesn't. I don't think she, I, I don't think she does um, until the airlines start right. screening people for height and weight. I don't really know. If, She's right. got much of a leg to stand on. Yeah, well, I mean, thanks. To, I mean, I, I think, I mean, this this to me is an airline issue because as we, we all get bigger, this is going, as flights, as seats get smaller and we all get bigger, this is going to continue to be an issue. And again, I don't want to reward bad behavior, but this is kind of how I'd wrap. I, I think she had a point. Now, she, she shouldn't have done what she did. I mean, to me, it's one of those situations where you go to the flight attendant, you know, you go up to the front and say, look, you see the size of those folks? I, I can't fit in there. And I paid for a seat and I, I want it. Then, of course, you have the whole issue. What do you then do when you have somebody who is, um, you know, who when there's no place to put you? Maybe you can find somebody else to to sit there, maybe you let her sit in the jump seat or whatever. I think she has a legitimate point. I think airlines have to figure out how to deal with it. It's tough for me to be too sympathetic, though, because she she certainly didn't go about handling it very well. Just say it. 1208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Melissa, you're a fan of Mary Poppins, the Julie Andrews movie? Uh, no. I know. Is that bad? <laughs> well. I'm not. I'm not a fan. I. You're not... And my producer, Gru, decides to gratuitously go where angels fear to tread. You don't like Mary Poppins either? You fell asleep. I do like the sound of music, though. I, I wasn't asking about the sound of music. So Mary Poppins, Julie Andrews, Julie Andrews Dick Van Dyke, Mary Poppins does nothing for you. Not That's really. okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, no, yeah. you can. There's always one. No, and actually, and it's two of them. And I work with both of you. Okay, so Mary Poppins. One of the great Walt Disney musicals of all time does nothing for either one of you. All right? Okay. Then then you're not going to be interested, perhaps, in this next story. Because if it's like, well, the heck with Mary Poppins. You, you are, however, I think the first two people I've met that don't like Mary Poppins. All right. Okay. If, if like most of the rest of us, you grew up watching the Mary Poppins thing and are a fan of Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke and all, you will remember all the great songs. At least I think they're great. Obviously, a couple people I work with don't share in that opinion, but a number of the great songs. And one of the, one of the songs in the movie Mary Poppins, the, it, Julie Andrews, who plays Mary Poppins, and the, the kids, what they do, Dick Van Dyke is a chimney sweep. He plays the character Bert. And what happens is there is a scene where Mary Poppins and the two kids get sucked up the chimney onto a rooftop. And then there's all these chimney sweeps and they start singing a song. Here is a portion of the song. Step in time, step in time. Come on, mighty step in time. Step in time. 
Okay, you get the idea. And they, these are a bunch of, of chimney sweeps who are, are dancing. And one of the things, Dick Van Dyke and all the different chimney sweeps who are dancing, and Julie Andrews and the two kids who have been sucked up through the, the chimney, they all have soot on on their face. Okay? They, they've, they've got soot on their face. I want to share with you a portion of a story that appears in the New York Times. Mary Poppins and a nanny's shameful flirting with blackface. Mary Mary Poppins Returns, which picked up four Oscar nominations last week, is an enjoyably derivative film that seeks to inspire our nostalgia for the innocent fantasies of childhood, as well as the jolly holidays that the first Mary Poppins film conjured for many adult viewers. Part of the new film's nostalgia, however, is bound up in a blackface performance tradition that persists through the Mary Poppins canon, from P.L. Travers' books to Disney's 1964 adaptation with disturbing echoes in the studio's newest take on the material. One of the more indelible images from the 1964 film is of Mary Poppins blacking up, when the magical nanny, played by Julie Andrews, accompanies her young charges, Michael and Jane Banks, up their chimney, her face gets covered in soot. But instead of wiping it off, she gamely powders her nose and cheeks even blacker. Then she leads the children on a dancing exploration of London rooftops with Dick Van Dyke's sooty chimney sweep Bert. This might seem like an in- innocuous comic scene. If Travers's novels didn't associate chimney sweeps, blackened faces with racial caricature, and then it goes on and on, and it talks about how in the 64 film, um, when, when the dark figures of the chimney sweeps step in time on a roof, a naval buffoon, Admiral Boom, shouts, we're being attacked by Hottentots, and orders his cannon to be fired at the cheeky devils. We're in on the joke, such as it is. These really aren't black Africans. They're grinning white dancers in blackface. It's a parody of a black menace, etc., etc. But it's not only fools like the Admiral who invoke this language, etc., etc. All right. So people are now offended. And apparently, I haven't seen the new Mary Poppins movie, but apparently there's a lot of stuff in it that's derivative, and there there's a scene that's sort of similar to this in, in the new movie. But... All right, this is a classic movie, and my guess is a number of you have, in fact, seen Mary Poppins. I understand where where the concerns about blackface come and the ties to the old minstrel shows, and I think most of us can generally agree that in 2019, you know, you, you it, it's unacceptable to, you know, go around for a white person to go around in blackface. I never thought of this scene in Mary Poppins, a movie which I like a lot, as being, well, essentially a shameful flirting with blackface. They are chimney sweeps. And one of the things that happens when you go around or up a chimney magically is you get soot from the chimney all over your body. So let's tee this up, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand, and I say this a lot, there is real racism in this world. And when you see that real racism, you need to identify it, you need to condemn it, you need to learn from it and, and move on. There's no question about it. But at the same time, are there people who go around looking for something to be offended by? And look, I, I don't know 
what P.L. Travers' original intent was when she wrote the Mary Poppins books. I, I, I don't know that one way or the other. She was from Australia. So I, I don't know what's, and first of all, lived in Australia, then later on in England. I don't know what the references were, and I, I don't know what her intent was. But really, the Mary Poppins movie, was that a shameful flirting with blackface? Or is this just somebody in 2019 looking for something to be offended by? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. 214 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two seventeen, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you were like me, you're a huge fan of the original Mary Poppins movie, the 1964 movie with Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. There is a scene where the Julie Andrews character and the kids get sucked up through the chimney and end up on the roof with the Dick Van Dyke character who plays, wait for it, a chimney sweep. And then Dick Van Dyke and all the other chimney sweeps whose faces and hands are covered with soot because they're chimney sweeps, go into this dance. They do the song Step in Time. The kids and Julie Andrews, they also have soot all over their face. Story in the New York Times yesterday, Mary Poppins and a nanny's shameful flirting with blackface. Really? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Sarah in Madison. Sarah, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. And good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, I, I feel this is just another case of the perpetually offended looking <laughs> for something to offend themselves. I remember the minute you described that scene, I remember it. She whips out her compact to powder right. her nose, but actually adds more soot because Mary Poppins was all about being prim and proper and dressed properly. And she wasn't as dirty as the rest of the chimney sweeps up there. And I've cleaned chimneys before. <laughs> you get dirty. You get soot on yourself. There's nothing, I mean, there's right. nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, I, I, dis, I mean, yes, that they're, do they have soot on their faces? Yes. But like you say, it's, it's what they do. That's how a chimney sweep looks. There's those songs about that type of thing. This isn't a minstrel show sort of stuff. This is chimney sweeps, for goodness sakes. Exactly, yeah. It, it's just, I, I guess, you know, it's just frustrating me, Sarah, that there's somebody out there, you know, who's going to, like, pick apart, you know, everything that you see in every of these different scenes, and they're looking, gee, I'm going to try to find something to be offended by. Here, this has to be a blackface thing. But no, it's it's a chimney sweep thing. Yeah. Now, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Now, again, I, I don't I have not read the Mary Poppins novels. And, and so I don't know if if just like in some of the, you know, Mark Twain books, there's illusions that might turn out to be racially insensitive by today's standards. I, I don't know. And I don't take a position on that because I haven't read the books. I didn't read the books when I was growing up and I haven't read them now. I do know, though, that looking at that particular scene and trying to interpret that as a shameful flirting with blackface strikes me as being an incredible overreach vincent on the northwest side vincent good afternoon good afternoon jeff uh, and you're exactly right there are people out here that are trying to jump on this blackfaced uh, bandwagon and try to make some name for themselves and and and, and try to pick out everything they can find you know uh, throughout history that uh, that that can offend them. It, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, the fact is, is that what if what if they were they were coal miners and they yeah. came out of the coal mine uh, 
and they had coal all over their face. You know, is that somehow an offense against black people? It's absolutely insane. See, Vincent, that's a great point. The other night, one of of my all-time favorite movies is the Sissy Spacek movie, A Coal Miner's Daughter, where she plays, you know, Loretta Lynn. And, um, I mean, the first hour of the show is showing her growing up in Butcher Holler, Kentucky, and her father, who's played by uh, the late LeVon Helm, he's, you know, he's a coal miner. And it shows all the people, and they're walking around, and they're all, you know, they're all dirty. They've got soot on their faces because they're in coal mines, for goodness sakes. That's not a it's not a rip off or a riff on blackface. It's just how the people who worked in coal mines look. Exactly. And, and, and so, you know, these people who are out here who want to just jump on this stuff, you never see them out here on the front lines trying to help people out and trying to deal with things that things that, that black people deal with every day. They just want to jump on the bandwagon and right. try, to, try, to, try to make a point. But it's absolutely ridiculous. No. It is. No, thanks for the perspective. No, you're, you know, and, and I guess that's, that's why I always say there, there's so many significant racial issues that, that we have. And, and I do understand that if you look back in history, you find, you will find stuff which is culturally insensitive by 2019 standards. And, and, and I get it. And I, and I understand there, there's always that battle. You know, a couple months ago, we talked about the huge controversy uh, at Sherwood High School involving that they wanted to put on the play To Kill a Mockingbird. And in that, and the language of the play, based on the language of the book, there was a use of, of an unacceptable word. But it was a word that was used at the time of the the book was written, or certainly used a word that was used um, in the antebellum South. You know when you, you had all the Jim Crow stuff and all. But we, we couldn't use that word even in the context of the play because people couldn't handle it. All right, well at least that's a legitimate debate because it's a word that everybody agrees is offensive. In this particular situation, you've got somebody that I think is actively trying to find something that they're going to be offended by. Eddie and Franklin. Eddie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, the perpetually offended once again strikes again. Right. Um, the, the, the blackface was a bad characterization of, of black people back in the day. Right. The, it goes back that. to the old minstrel show things. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is this scene, in no way is there any indication that this is an, uh, a characterization of black folks. There's just... There's nothing to do with that at all in this scene. It has no way at all of alluding to that. So they're obviously looking for that. I mean, I was telling your screener, I was like, are they going to come after TMJ for talking about black ice this morning? I mean, (laughs) well, right. Yeah, well, you're right. It's like if anything is even associated with that, you know, it's it's silly. Right. Uh, Did you did you see the movie Predator? There's a scene in there where Arnold Schwarzenegger has to cover himself with mud to hide from the predator. Yeah, exactly. Go after that scene too. Well, right, because it's insensitive. No, thank, thank, thanks for call. No, but again, it's. I, I think. Look, I, I, I understand that we now in 2019 we view things through a different prism and we also view them through the prism at least for some people it's a prism of i'm perpetually i'm politically correct and i'm perpetually offended about stuff and i i get it and sometimes there's some legitimate points and like i say maybe you can go back and look at the original mary poppins books which i have not read and say okay well this was insensitive to culturally indigenous people in australia or england or or whatever okay fine i'm just saying to pick out that scene in the movie and say, okay, well, this is something that we should be concerned about because it shows insensitivity. Um, you know, it goes back to Wagner's rule of life number one, which is, you know, life is tough. Get a helmet. 224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
It's 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. All right, I enjoy going out to eat. I enjoy when my wife cooks dinner for me as well. She's a very good cook, but but I, I enjoy going out to eat. And one of the things that I always try to push myself to do is to go to new places. One of the things I, I think it, it's easy to have happen is you find places that you like, and because you like them and you feel comfortable there, you keep going back to them. And, and that's fine, but at the same time, you're, you're denying yourself the pleasure of finding new places. So one of the things that my wife and I, the friend and I try to do is let, let's try to find a new place now and, and then. And in some cases, it's a new place to us. In other cases, it's a new place that's opened up in the last you know few months or, or whatever. Always like to try new places and different places. We, um, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to mention the name of the place, but we went to a restaurant with a couple of friends of ours, and it was very, very well-reviewed. And the place had been open for about six months or so, got great reviews for, for the food. And and actually, the, the meal I thought was very good. But here's the but. You, you walk into the place, and the new architecture for a lot of restaurants is kind of what I'm going to describe as the the industrial sort of thing. You know, no more plush carpets, no more curtains. It, it's hard tabletops. It's exposed ductwork. It's the wooden floors. And there's the idea, I think, is to create kind of a vibe, et cetera. You know, here, we want this to be exciting. Well, well, that that's that's fine. You know, we want it to be energetic. Well, we're, we're sitting in the, the room, the, the main dining room here, and, you know, there's a bar in there. And, and, yes, there was a vibe to it. But the problem was it was so loud with the high ceilings and the, the wood floor. It was so loud that you can't you, – you really – could not hear the person next to you without kind of shouting. And you had no chance at all to talk to the person that was across the table to you. It was just this overpowering din. And, and actually, for somebody who's been doing radio as long as I have, my hearing is still pretty good. But the guys that started out like as rock and roll disc jockeys and stuff, by the time they get into their 40s, none of them can hear because, you know, they're just used to having this stuff cranked up. I, I've never had that problem. So my hearing is still pretty good. But I'm sitting in this place, and it's just, you, you can't hear. Then, about a week or so later, I, I went to another sort of new restaurant, but the same design. You know, exposed ductwork, big floors, big ceilings, you know, wooden floors. And again, it, it's the same thing. I mean, yes, there's this vibe and there's this atmosphere, but it's just so darn loud. Now, I wasn't going to say anything, but there's a story, there's an editorial, actually, in the Chicago Tribune yesterday that caught my attention. Here's the headline. Listen up, Chicago restaurants. We don't want to shout. Chicago Restaurant Week, which runs until February 7th, gives restaurants an opportunity to drum up business and diners an incentive to scout new favorites. What a shame if customers walk away, ears ringing, thinking, too noisy, won't be back. We've all encountered the restaurant din where, what's that, I'm sorry, huh? Play on repeat in the table chatter. 
The whys of this are easy to see. Plush carpets, thick curtains are out. Hard tabletops, exposed ductwork is in. A roar makes a place vibrate with energy and keys people up to spend more. At some hot spots, cool music and cold metal send a stylistic message and set a tone for the experience. At others, the noise level is a poor fit for the clientele. My my hand's waving here. But the owner saves some money on an acoustics expert and sound patrons. Most patrons aren't looking to see and be seen to a thunderous rattle and hum. They rely on restaurants to catch up with friends and family or to take a moment to wind down. Guests might be sharing a sad update, a delicate professional conversation, a first date, a last one. In none of these cases do they want any thumping vibes. I don't think we have a future together, is best said in a modulated tone. Too quiet isn't desirable either. But then it goes on and on and on, and it talks about this new trend in going out to restaurants and this new trend that we want the vibe and we want the noise as being something that, well, maybe isn't what customers want. All right, I want to open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Chances are you enjoy, if you're like me, going out to eat from time to time. I have noticed this trend, and the editorial in the Chicago Tribune makes the same point. More and more places, in an effort to try to get a buzz, et cetera, et cetera, a vibe, what they've done is they've made the places just they're designed and they're noisy. And, and yes, that gives you this feeling that, well, there's this excitement going on, but at the same time, the waiter or waitress can't hear you, you can't hear them, you can't hear the people next to you, and candidly, no matter how good the food is, I mean, a lot of times if I'm going out, it's I'm going out to eat with the people that I am with, and that noise, that loud situation, that's going to be a turnoff to me. Have you noticed this? Do you enjoy that kind of environment for dinner? And it's one thing, look, it's one thing if you go into a noisy bar, but it's another thing if you're going into a restaurant. This appears to be the trend. Are restaurateurs on to something, or is this a turnoff for you? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where do you come down? I, I'm I'm a firm no. And like I say, these last last couple weeks, I've been in two places like that, two new places, new to me and actually new to you know the area. They've both been like that. The food was absolutely fine, but the din was so much that I couldn't hear the people I was with, and it wasn't just me. Nobody could hear. All right, is this something that is appealing to you? 414-799-1620. It's 241. We're back with your calls in just a moment. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. A couple weeks ago, true story, I, my wife and I, we went out with, our, with two of our very dear friends. We went to a restaurant that was new to all of us, highly rated. We were sitting in the main restaurant area that was also the bar area, and... We could not hear ourselves speak to each other because the noise was so loud. There was the din. And, and when, in this case, it was a waitress, when she came over, she had no chance of even hearing us. I mean, you know, she'd have to come over and, like, lean over somebody's shoulder just to take the order because it was so loud. The food was fine. But that environment, I'm just not going to go back to. Now, I understand maybe that's kind of this hip and trendy thing, but... To me, it was a turnoff, and there's an editorial in the Chicago Tribune today. It's Restaurant Week in Chicago, and they're talking about how that's a turnoff for lots of people. Lamar, who is calling us from sunny, warm Orlando. Hi, Lamar. It is warm down here, uh, Jeff. Uh, I want to rub that in. I know you guys are dealing with deep freezes here. I do not miss that, by the way. How um, how warm is it? 
It's 70 today. Ah, 70. So when you get down here, it'll be nice and warm for you. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm looking. My airline is canceling flights right and left. Mine hasn't been canceled yet, but it's it's not good news. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you can get down here. I do too, my friend. Okay, so let's talk about this. The, the loud restaurant. It, it's hip. It's trendy. It's the vibe. Do you like it? I hate it. Um, uh, there's a, a restaurant here that they overly hyped called Chocolate Factory. Uh, everyone's talking about how great it is. It's a great environment. It's great. It's good. Food's great. So I tried it, and I ended up uh, overpaying for very terrible food. And it was like it was like eating in a in a in a in a in a, in a, uh, in a nightclub. Every two minutes, they're playing this loud, some loud song, or they bring out a dish to somebody, and it's just loud. And I literally yeah. cannot hear the person sitting right next to me. And I'm, I'm younger. And yeah. I, I thought that I would enjoy it. I hated it. It was terrible. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's not the purpose. It, it, it's one thing, if you want to go to a nightclub, and you want to, you know, you want to dance to the loud music, okay, that that's the experience. I think for most of us, when we want to go to restaurants, it's we want to have good food and you know you don't want the place to be dead like a funeral home but but you do you, you want to be able to hear the people that you're sitting with and you know be able to think and be able to communicate and talk about your experiences exactly man i couldn't i literally could not hold a conversation because you couldn't hear yeah no Just could not hear no thanks thanks for calling and enjoy the 70 degree weather yeah the, the and again i this is this is the new trend and and i understand this you know and it, this is this hip thing okay we this is the vibe and we want the style and i mean the places architecturally look great i mean you got the wood floor you've got the high exposed ceilings i mean i i get it aesthetically you enjoy it and i understand you go to restaurants for food but you also at least in my case, you, you go for the ambiance. Karen in Appleton. Karen, you're on WTMJ. Hi. 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 Well, um, I have a restaurant. I loved it. It's a Mexican restaurant called Solio. Okay. O-L-E-O. And um, we love the food, Better, best Mexican food I've had. But it was so loud with their Mexican mm-hmm. Music, I don't know how to phrase right, that. Right, the music. Okay, no, just the music, right, the sound system, whatever. And, but my friend has a hearing problem. She has hearing aids, and my other friend was fine, but we literally could not talk at the table. Yeah. And it, we probably would have stayed on or maybe had a margarita or a dessert or something, but it was like, okay, great food. Right. Yeah. No. No. Thanks for calling. I think that's. I mean, I think that's what happens a, a lot of times where people, you, you know, it, it's like, all right, th- this is not the experience. Now, maybe, again, and I, I don't. I see. Sometimes I recognize that some stuff is generational, and it, it's okay. Maybe you know you're appealing to th- this audience. That's I mean, you're going for people who are who are like the young nightclubbers. And that's okay if that's what you're going for. But a lot of these restaurants, they're sort of high-end places, and I, I don't think that's necessarily it. Uh, let's see. Here's a text. Jeff, my wife and I will immediately turn around and leave if it's that case. Here's another one. Jeff, we live near Lake Geneva, and my wife and I were eating at a similar place. Because of the way the ceiling was firm, formed, I could hear other people's conversations from across the room. It was more than a little bit unsettling. Jeff, I don't like the sports bar noise when I want a quiet dinner. And again, I... I appreciate that you want to have, you know, a, a balance. You 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 want to have at least a little bit of a vibe and some energy. There's nothing worse than being, you know, the only patrons in this this restaurant. So you you want to go to places that are popular, but at the same time, you want to be able to talk to the people you're with. Dave and Mequon, Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, you've hit on my pet peeve. Uh, I've been talking about this for over 20 years. 
and it's accelerated recently, and I think you're right, it's getting much worse. But it started many years ago when they removed carpeting because they wanted to make places more maintenance-free, and that made them a lot louder and more reflective. But then they got rid of drapes, and they started to use construction materials that were more modern, lots of exposed glass, lots of open ceilings with the rafters being metal. And so now it's like you're in a, a an echo chamber, a tile bathroom with no absorptive surfaces, and it's just a it's a it's a nightmare. Well, yeah, that that you know that's a perfect way to describe the the restaurant that you know we were in a couple weeks ago, and it just and, and you you want to like it. I mean, it's got great reviews. The food was good and stuff, but I mean, literally, I am sitting there, and you know, the other couple, the guy is sitting next to me, and we are shouting just to be heard, and we're no more than like two feet apart. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is not an enjoyable evening. There are a couple of places where the restaurateurs have noticed that they need to do something about it, and they'll put up some inconspicuous sound absorption panels or treatments. But the places that do that are really few and far between, and I think it's because not enough people make it clear that they're not going to come back due to the noise, so they think there's not a problem. Yeah, so you've noticed this, too. Constantly. Yeah. Now, thanks for calling. Again, it's one of these things where I, I see, I, and part of it too is I, I understand that places that have noise and stuff, there is an energy. And, and it's fun to be around that, that energetic sort of situation. You don't want to be in the dead place. But there, there's a balancing between the energy and between, you know, good dining. So I, I brought this up because it's been a pet peeve of mine, just like it's been a pet peeve of Dave's. And now the Chicago Tribune is writing about it. So it tells me that there's more and more people that are out there seeing it. And I, I admit I kind of, at some point in time, sometimes I chalk it up and say, okay, well, maybe, again, this is a generational thing. And maybe, you know, this is, this is of appeal to people who are, you know, you know who are in their 20s. But, you know, even even then, I mean, I think back to when I was in my 20s, it, it's it's one thing, I get it, you go to the bar, you've got the music going, you, know, you understand that you're going to be shouting at the top of your lungs, hi, what's your name, nice to meet you. I get all that if you're in the bar setting, but this isn't the bar setting, and yet so many of these restaurants try to move in that direction. All right, just about out of time, a couple of stories I just wanted to call your attention to quickly. The um, acting attorney general, Matthew Whitaker, said surprised a lot of people by saying he thinks the Mueller investigation is close to being completed, regardless of what Robert Mueller finds. That that's good, because I, I look, I, I take no position on whether it's been a success or not. But at some point in time, the reality is it, this is not good for the country. And if they've got evidence that President Trump or other people close to him were involved in a conspiracy to steal the election with aid of a foreign government. Well, they deserve to be prosecuted, and the public needs to know. But having this this sort of, I don't know, this sword hanging over everybody's head as we move into the second two years of the term, that's, that's just not a good thing. A lot of people very concerned about the State of the Union. Well, okay, if you're worried about that, you can calm down because uh, it's going to be February 5th. Nancy Pelosi didn't want to have it... Uh, Let's see, they've rescheduled it to February 5th, um, so it will, of course, occur, and it will occur in the House of Representatives, so that is a good thing. And closer to home, Assembly Democrats, who were part of this redistricting lawsuit, a lawsuit that I have argued is without merit, but ultimately the Supreme Court's going to decide. You know, the question is, you know, did, did Republicans redraw the legislative maps nine years ago 
were they illegal by, you know, recognizing the fact that in Wisconsin, you know, you have lots of Democrats that live in Milwaukee and lots of Democrats who live in Madison and putting all those Democrats in the same districts. Was that illegal? Assembly Democrats have now decided that they don't intend to pursue that case. There will be there's another liberal group that's pursuing it, but the Assembly Democrats bail on that. I don't know what that ultimately means. The Supreme Court's going to decide it, and I think the maps are going to hold up just fine. Okay, I'm just about out of time. John McCure, Melissa Barkley, Greg Matzik, they're all in for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. We'll find out what they have on their minds collectively in just a moment. It's 2.53. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.